All right, everybody, we are in week two of the series that we're calling Culture of, of Compromise. Um, and if you missed last week and you're here today and you didn't watch it online, um, you're cheating, just so you know. This is part two of the same message. It's just I couldn't fit it all in in week, in week one. Um, and just to take a moment and just give a, a heartfelt thank you to all of you who took time this week to email me, to message me, to write, and just to say thanks. Um, I, I'm grateful. Um, <laughs> this morning, I walk into my office and a rock is through my window, right over here. And I don't know if people are trying to scare me or silence me, but let me just tell you, it's gonna take a whole lot more than a rock to silence me. Just so you know, we're not, we're not afraid, we're not going anywhere, and we are gonna preach the truth today. And so as, I, did, I forgot to bring it, but I have a preaching helmet, and in this series, I'm just asking you to wear the helmet. And I'm gonna ask you to repeat something with me. We started this last week. Are you ready, everybody? It's a confessional. I need you to repeat it like this. I'm thankful, I'm thankful. my pastor, my pastor. Doesn't, tell doesn't tell me what I wanna hear, but tells me what I need to hear. <laughs> and that's where we're going in this, in this journey, culture of compromise. And as we begin, I just wanna take a moment again and thank some great pastors and some authors um, who I've learned a lot from since the beginning of the year. Um, Larry Osborne, who wrote Thriving in Babylon, that was kind of what started this conversation with me thinking about a series like this. Uh, by the way, he has a whole curriculum set on Right Now Media. You small group leaders, you're trying to figure out what to do. Um, that's a great small group curriculum. I'd encourage you to do that. You're gonna hear a lot of the same things and I'm ripping a lot of it off. Um, Thriving in, in Babylon, Chris Hodges, The Daniel Dilemma, Josh Howerton through some of his messages. Absolutely incredible and thankful. David, David Jeremiah um, for all of these pastors and authors who I've learned so much from. And what we're doing is we're just learning week by week, chapter by chapter, going through the book of Daniel. Daniel is, this is a true story of a 13 to 15 year old young man um, who um, was living in a godly culture with godly values, godly parents, being trained in godly things and seemingly overnight because of the disobedience from Jehoiakim who was this king who was loved by people but despised by God. Because of his disobedience, God allows Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar to come in and take siege, to besiege it, and to take captive young men over, over to Babylon. And Daniel was forced to walk 700 miles to Babylon overnight, trained in godly things and godly families and godless, God, just all God all the time, overnight moved to Babylon where he was trained in godlessness forced to have gender reassignment surgery, going to a Babylonian school. And this book is written for the people of God that anytime we find ourselves, and I just think over the last few years, so many people have said, it just feels like overnight, all this godly things that we were doing and then overnight, boom, we're in a culture of godlessness. This book is written as a warning and a guidepost of what are we to do with this? As people of God, as followers of Jesus, how do we thrive in a godless, a godless culture? That is the book of Daniel. That's why we're studying this, this book. Now, last week, I told you that it was Babylon's strategy to influence Daniel. What are they up to? And this is part two. And this is Daniel's strategy to influence Babylon. Daniel's strategy to influence Babylon. Now, 
Uh, I'm going to try to be really helpful for all of us today. Uh, I'm going to say this message is help, not hype. I'm not going to try to hype you up. I'm going to try to help you as you leave today of where we find ourselves today. Last week, all all the things, indoctrination, packaging, uh, all the crazy of the world around us. What do we do as people, as people, how do we influence? Now, when it comes to how do we influence, um, most Christians fall into one of these four categories. Three are bad, one is good. Here's the first one, write it in your notes. If you're not taking notes, get that app out inside the worship guide, follow along. But here's what happens. It's this idea of separation. Well, I'm, I'm the people of God. I'm gonna separate from, from Babylon. It's this us versus them mentality. And to the extreme would be the Mennonite and the Amish community. But practically speaking, functionally speaking, it happens to all of us when we don't have any meaningful relationships with non-believers. We go to our Christian church, we go to send our kids to a Christian school, we work our quote unquote Christian job and we have our Christian neighbors and all of our Christian friends that we only hang out with. Functionally speaking, we're just like the Amish and we're just like the Mennonite, this idea of separation. Because here's what I'll hear people say. Oh no, we can't let our kids go over there because they watch ready, R-rated movies and they let their kids watch SpongeBob SquarePants. Like we, we, we can't have any of that. We, we've got to separate completely from them. And we forget that we are called to go and preach the gospel, not hide and retreat. This is the wrong view, separation. Here's a second one, and this also is a wrong view. And this is assimilation. That I'm gonna assimilate into not just the life. I'll talk about that in a moment. But I'm going to allow the culture, the values, the ideology, I'm going to allow that to influence me and I'm just going to assimilate right into the belief structure of Babylon. Now Daniel did none of that. Daniel worked a secular job, had secular influence, befriended Babylonian leaders, all of those things, but he did not assimilate into the life of the Babylonian culture. Now, this is part two of the same message. What did we notice last week? Daniel drew a line in the sand. He he has already said, I am not gonna eat that meat. I'm I'm not gonna go that, I'll, I'll do all of these things, but what you're asking me to do, Nebuchadnezzar, there's just no way that I can, I can meet you there. He did not assimilate into the belief system, the culture of the Babylonians. Here's, here's the third thing. It's, it's altercation. <laughs> so we're not gonna separate, we're not gonna assimilate, but I'm gonna stand for truth. And I'm gonna, this, this is the angry guy on Facebook. He's offended by everything and he's making a point with every post. Hey, just so you know, you're, you're wondering why you're not getting as many likes as you used to. It's because we all mute you. We're tired of hearing it and seeing the same thing over and over again. That's why. But I gotta prove a point. I'm gonna fight. And they think that they're standing for truth and standing for justice. They're trying to make a point rather than make a difference. And, and, I, and I know why people do this. And now this pains me because it happens more to people of our church than I care to admit. Because people love watching a fight, don't they? It's what drives views, clicks, retweets. And as a pastor of a Christian church, it drives me absolutely bonkers 
when the mainstream media will invite a Christian to represent their point of view on a talk show. They're talking about, for instance, <laughs> two weeks ago I noticed this with the tornadoes and everything that was happening. Hey, um, what, what is your explanation of these tornadoes? And these crazy Christians will say, well, the reason why these natural disasters and these tornadoes is because all the gays and all the Democrats, that's why. And we have all of this polarizing view. You're catching my drift, right? It's, we, we love the altercation. I'm not gonna separate, I'm not gonna, but I'll fight you. And we think that we're doing something really, really good. And you're gonna notice, David didn't do all, any of that. This is the fourth point. This is the one that works. And it's this one, it is, it's transformation. It's transformation. Now, can I just kind of be a nerd for a minute and geek out on the Bible? I learned this in study. Jeremiah 29, the prophet Jeremiah, wrote a book, Prophecy, Old Testament. Jeremiah 29 was written to the first wave of um, exiles in, in Babylon. Here's why this was important. Because as Daniel and his friends overnight find themselves in a godless place. Now, if they're in Israel and they were walking down the street and they saw temples and idols to pagan gods, they knew exactly what they were to do. They were to tear those down in Yahweh's name. But now they find themselves in Babylon and they're walking around and they're seeing these idols and these temples to all these false pagan gods. And they're wondering, what do we do with that? How are we to reconcile our faith, our beliefs with obviously what we know is wrong? Well, Jeremiah 29 was written from God through the prophet Jeremiah to the first wave of exiles in Babylon. And we know that Daniel read this. I'll prove that in just a moment. But here's what God says to do. Um, the God of Israel says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, ready for this? Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Assimilate into the life, not the culture, not the beliefs, assimilate into the life of Babylon. Marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. You know what the evangelism scheme is in the Old Testament? Have lots of sex and have lots of kids. <laughs> Guys, I thought I was gonna get a much better amen in this verse, like amen. Increase in number. This is fulfilling the command. Do not decrease. Listen to this, check this out. This is what is commanded to Daniel and his friends in Babylon. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Think about that. We gotta fight, we gotta altercate, we gotta prove a point. No, 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 no. Seek the peace and the prosperity Pray the Lord for it because, here's why, if it prospers, you too will prosper. Daniel understood this is for the betterment of Babylon. I, I win if Babylon wins. I'm gonna better every place I go, I'm going, to trans, I'm going to transform it. And we know that Daniel would have read this 
Because in Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, Daniel actually quotes from the same. Jeremiah 29. This is Daniel quoting it. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures. Jeremiah 29. According to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So Daniel knew. My job isn't to separate. My job isn't to assimilate into the culture, into the beliefs, into the ideologies. My job isn't to altercate. My job is to bring transformation wherever I I go, fast forward. Daniel goes from this 13 to 15 year old victim of human trafficking, a prisoner of war. In 70 years through the course of this book, we know that Daniel rises to the second, to be the second most influential man in the most influential empire in the world at that time. Well, how do he do that? Well, Daniel is our leader. We are learning from, from Daniel. Here's, here's how he did this. This is a paradigm for us to follow. And he understood there's two things that I need to avoid if I'm gonna have influence, godly influence in a godless culture. Here's number one, influence killer number one. And I see this all the time and it's lack of respect. It's lack of respect. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna read a little bit here for a moment because I wanna make sure I stick to my notes and I only offend the people that I wanna offend on my study. I don't wanna, here we go. I am going to describe for you a fictional person but this is a fictional person that everybody knows one of, okay? We all know it. And, and when I describe this person, no elbows, no pointing fingers. Um, we're gonna call this person Nancy, just because I like the name Nancy. So if you're a Nancy in the room, I apologize. I'm not picking on you. It's just the name that first popped into my head. And everybody knows a Nancy. Everybody knows a Nancy. Nancy is a Christian. She's smart. She's articulate and she's bold. Nancy speaks her mind. She shares her convictions willingly. And do you know what Nancy thinks is wrong with the world today? Nancy thinks that most people, especially Christians and pastors, are spineless and they lack convictions. She's proud to be different. She doesn't care. If someone doesn't like what Nancy says, she says, well, that's their problem. The cross is offensive, the Bible says. But there's a strange thing that keeps on happening to Nancy everywhere she goes. Everywhere Nancy goes, she's passed over for promotions. For some strange reason, she is never relationally accepted by her coworkers. Actually, Nancy has been dismissed or gently pushed out of a few jobs. And here's what Nancy thinks. Nancy thinks, oh, it's unfair workplace environments. I'm being persecuted for my beliefs and I'm being alienated because of my strong convictions. But here's the real problem. She thinks that she's honoring God by standing for truth and she thinks that by refusing to kiss up to those in power is a sign of her convictions and it's not a sign of her weaknesses. She thinks that people actually just don't wanna hang out with her because of her, her boldness. But here's the real problem. Nancy sees respect as a one-way street only in her direction. She demands respect for her beliefs by everyone around her, 
but she gives respect to nobody around her. Do you know a Nancy? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Now, let me show you an example that's the exact opposite. I'm gonna put this picture on the screen. This is Dan, Calf Dan Cathy. Um, he is the COO and owner of, of Chick-fil-A. Now, every time I talk about Chick-fil-A on a Sunday, I'm always nervous because we can't go get it and everybody's mad at me. I get, that's, I get more emails about that than anything else. <laughs> right next to Dan Cathy, this is Shane Windemeyer. And Shane is the president of a gay activist group called Campus Pride. It's a very large organization. Um, some of you may remember this story, but Dan Cathy is a devout, committed, and outspoken Christian. And people found out that Chick-fil-A donated to some organizations that support a biblical definition of marriage. And when the media found out that Chick-fil-A did this, the media lost their ever-loving mind. Shocking, right? As a result, the organization Campus Pride staged a protest, um, and then a bunch of people who supported Chick-fil-A staged a protest to the protest, and they called it Chick-fil-A Appreciation Day, which actually became the highest sales in Chick-fil-A's history. <laughs> Don't clap, you're gonna ruin my illustration. Now, when this was happening, Dan Cathy never commented in support of Chick-fil-A Appreciation Day. He didn't say a word. Unbeknownst to anyone around him, zero fanfare, he didn't say a word and he quietly reached out to Shane Windemeyer, the leader of the campus um, movement Pride, and he said, hey, I would just like to learn from you. And they began having long conversations about Shane's beliefs and Dan's beliefs and they talked so much that they actually began a friendship. At one point, Dan invited Shane to his house as an honored guest. Shane invited Dan and his family to a ski lodge in Colorado. And this picture is of Dan and Shane after the Chick-fil-A Chick bowl um, on one of those January 6th big, big bowls. This is right after he sat in his box um, with his husband and his family all together. In 2000. In 13, because of the relationship, Shane Windemeyer wrote an article in the Huffington Post entitled, check this out, Coming Out as a Friend of Dan Cathy. This is what Shane wrote. It's not often that people with deeply held and completely opposing viewpoints actually risk sitting down and listening to one another. He wrote, we see this failure to listen and learn in our government, in our communities, and in our own families. Dan, Kathy, and I, together, we would try to do better than each one of us had ever experienced before. Never once did Dan or anyone from Chick-fil-A ask Campus Pride to stop protesting. On the contrary, Dan listened intently to our concerns, and Dan sought first to understand not to be understood. Through all of this, Dan and I shared respectful, enduring communication, and we built trust. His demeanor has always been one of kindness and openness. Dan expressed regret and genuine sadness for when he, when he heard of people who were treated unkindly in the name of Chick-fil-A. Listen to this. 
but he offered no apologies for his genuine belief about marriage. Do, do you know what Dan Cathy did? Dan Cathy decided, I, I'm not gonna make a point. I'm gonna make a difference. We could have completely opposing worldviews and completely opposing views on, on marriage, but we can still show respect to one another. You wanna have influence in this culture? Stand on the corner and protest with a microphone. You will have zero influence. You'll be made fun of. But to seek to understand and not just to be understood and it has to, Daniel does this magnificently all throughout the book of Daniel. You never see Daniel upset or angry with his superiors. He always is showing kindness, love, and respect. I, I shared this with you last week, but the first thing that happened to Daniel when he arrived to Babylon was gender reassignment surgery. And they changed his name. And we know that Daniel hated that name. And they said, you, Daniel, in order to do this school, this Babylonian school, I'm gonna need you to, to, to eat from food that's been sacrificed to idols. And that's where Daniel drew the line in the sand. I'm not going to do that. Remember last week? He, he went and respectfully asked Ashvedes. He asked his supervisors. Hey, I, I thought about this long and hard. I, I know what you're asking me to do, but I can still make you a bunch of money. I can still do almost everything you want me to do, but this, this is the line I cannot cross. This is my convictions. You can have different convictions and still show respect to one another. Hey, hey One Life Church, let me just share this. We will stand for our convictions. I am not backing down for what the Bible teaches and how it teaches it. When the Bible says that it's true, it's true. When the Bible says that it's sin, it's sin. And we're not gonna be apologetic in how we present that. Amen. But we will be respectful in our worldview. We will. We will be kind to those who don't have the same worldview as, as we do. Amen. We want to have influence in a godless nation. It begins with respect. I mean, look, look at Daniel. I'm gonna ping around here a little bit. In Daniel chapter two, verse 37, this is what Daniel says to Nebuchadnezzar, who assigned this gender reassignment deal on him, took him from his home, ripped him from everything that he's ever known in this godless culture. Look how Daniel approaches Nebuchadnezzar chapter two, verse 37. Your majesty, you are the king of kings, the God of heaven that has given you dominion and power and might and glory. Do you see how he brings respect to those in authority over him? Now, if that was me and I was Daniel, I would have a completely different reaction to him, right? I'd be like, it's cage match time, let's go. Um, your majesty, you're, you're the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. Daniel never went into the trap of lack of respect. He always showed ultimate respect. Here, here's just one more to prove my point. Daniel 4, 19. Now, Daniel has the spiritual gift of interpreting dreams. It's a thing. I'm gonna talk about it in a couple weeks. And as he has this dream, and the dream that he's interpreting is not good news for Nebuchadnezzar, not good at all. He says, my Lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. Do you, do you see what's happening here? The level of respect that he's giving to Nebuchadnezzar and those in authority over him. Hey, if we wanna have influence, write this in your notes right now. Our influence with people will never be greater than our respect for people. 
If you're gonna be a jerk, guess what? They're gonna be a jerk back. Followers of Jesus, we go first. We're people of respect. This is how we handle ourselves. Here's the second thing, and this may surprise some of you, but this is influence killer number two, and it's lack of wisdom. It's lack of wisdom. Daniel brilliantly knew the difference between just offense and sin. He was offended, but he knew the difference between just being offended or is this sinful? You're asking me to do, is it, is it sinful? And I just fear that so many Christians, we get so bent out of shape because we're offended. I think if Daniel were here, he'd be like, sure, go for it. Okay. Doesn't really, go for it. Let me give you three examples. His name. Daniel's name was changed from his relationship to God, Daniel, to Belteshazzar, means treasure of Baal. And obviously this offended Daniel, very upset about it. So much so that he never referred to himself as Belteshazzar and constantly, which is just a great study, constantly misspelled all the Babylonian names just to kind of stick it to him. Like, not, not gonna do that. Obviously you knew that this offended him but Daniel also knew that there was no command in scripture where he had to be called by his God-honoring name. You wanna call me about the Shazar? I'm not gonna correct you. Go for it, do, do, what, do what you want. Babylonian school. Daniel was forced to go to Babylonian school. Do you know what they studied in the school of Babylon? The occult and astrology. Now Daniel knew that it was wrong for followers of God, of Yahweh, to practice such things, but there was no command that we can't study such things. Hey, young people, this is really important. I want you to listen to me for five minutes. Daniel didn't just go to school and he was being taught things that were directly contrary to his beliefs. He didn't sit in the back and be like, well, I'm a Christian, I can't believe this. He didn't do any of that. He sat in the front, he learned, he leaned in, he graduated top of his class, which allowed him to have all this influence in Babylon. Do not be a jerk, lean in, do your, I'm gonna talk about this in a minute, do your very, very best. You wanna have influence? Be the top of your class. Own it, earn it. Daniel did not agree with what he was being taught, but he still went to school, still applied himself and crushed it every single day, which allowed him to get promotion after promotion after promotion after promotion to become the second most powerful man in the empire. Babylonian school, his Babylonian name. And he just understood the difference between what was sinful and what was offensive. And some of us, that's where we find ourselves today, don't we? Like, yeah, I, I, lack of wisdom. Sometimes I just freak out, try to prove a point, get on Facebook, get on social media. And, yeah, or I just lack of respect. They're not giving me respect, so I'm not gonna give them respect. And we've totally reversed it. So the question then today, and again, this is help, not hype. How, how can we be influencers in our culture today? How can we do this? Now you have to remember something. The story of Daniel is not about a pastor. It's not about a missionary. The story of Daniel is about a nine to five worker in civil government in Babylon. And maybe some of you, you're here, you're thinking like, oh, we influence the culture by what we do on the weekends at church. 
Jared, you're the professional Christian. You have the microphone attached to your head. Like that's when we influence the culture and we'll really have it mixed up. We influence the culture with where we are planted. In fact, Daniel understood his relationship with God, but he understood his relationship with Babylon. Meaning you're never gonna be able to influence where you are unless you first understand where, who God is and your relationship to where he sets you. It's nine to five, it's the marketplace. And this strain of theology is all throughout the Bible. Abraham, farmer. Nehemiah, a commercial real estate developer. Esther was in civil government working on racial injustice. These nine to five marketplace workers. There's a theology that's baked in here. In fact, Genesis chapter two, Creation was there, and what, what did God say, Genesis 1:31? He looked at everything and he said that it was very good. Now he didn't say that it was perfect. There's a difference. There's a different Hebrew word for perfect. He said that it was very good. And in Genesis chapter two, he looked at Adam and Eve, he planted them in the garden and said, I want you to work this. The meaning is there are raw materials in place, and your job is to make it better. Ever thought about that? The raw materials are here. I want you to make it better. This happens all the time in marketplace jobs. Construction, you take sand and you take cement, the raw materials, and what happens? You build these incredible buildings. Artists, they'll take color, and they'll take music, these raw materials, and they'll turn them into art. It's incredible. Lawyers will take the principles of justice and they'll codify them to, to have these laws that actually benefit people. These raw materials, it's all throughout scripture. These raw materials, you work it, you make it, you make it better. Here's my point. In fact, Billy Graham, right before he died, says that the, great, the next great move of God will not happen on a stage with somebody wearing a microphone. The next great move of God will happen in the marketplace of followers of Jesus, of Daniels, who understand that where God has set them, that I'm gonna do everything that I can. This is how I give influence, to work hard, to do my best. Yes, I have convictions, I've drawn the line in the sand, but I'm gonna do everything that I can to make a difference where God has placed me. I'm going to assimilate into the life, not the beliefs and the ideology of Babylon. So let me, let me land the plane on this, on this message. Let me talk to one group of people for just a moment. Some of you, God has given you the unique ability to crush it in the marketplace. God has given you the, you, the unique ability to earn a bunch of money and build great wealth. And I wanna, something, I wanna riff on something and it drives me bananas specifically in my generation and below there's a group that's out there that say, oh, people that make a bunch of money, that wealth and riches are bad and wealthy people are inherently evil. That is not biblical at all, just, just so you know. And usually people that say that are people who can't make money. I mean, that's usually how it goes. God has uniquely gifted you, listen to me, to build wealth, to leverage the wealth that God has given you to influence the kingdom of God. And we need you to crush it. <laughs> Let me say it another way. 
We need you to make a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of money and leverage the resources that God gives you so we can influence Babylon. I look around this church. This is the history that people who have made a bunch of money have said, I, I can build that building. I can send all those kids to camp to the scholarship fund. I can work on that mission project. And there are literally thousands and thousands of people in heaven today because people have taken their wealth and they leverage it for the kingdom of God. So if you, please hear me. I hope you crush it in the marketplace. I hope God gives you 10 times what you've ever expected and then leverage those resources to build the kingdom of God. Now for everybody else, I'm talking to myself now. How do we, nine to five, how do we influence? I want you to write these in your notes and I have some side points to it. I'm gonna come back and hit all of these, all of these here. But Daniel chapter six, Bible says that, that, that there was special and unique qualities about Daniel and his friends. And here they are, wait a minute, real quick, I'm almost done. The first one is integrity. Be a person of integrity. Here's how I define this to our staff. Be a man or woman of your word. When you say you're gonna do something, do it. When you say you're not gonna do something, don't do it. Be a man or woman of your word. That's, that's our definition of integrity. All throughout Daniel, you'll see his influence. It starts in integrity. The second one is this, it, it's, it's humility. He didn't need to always get his way. He was humble enough. He showed respect. We'll talk more about that in the days to come. Here's the third attribute. Here's how we influence Babylon is we do things with excellence. Get to, get to your work early. Hey, students, crush it at school this year. Work hard. Do everything you can with excellence. You wanna have influence in a godly culture? Be a person that stands above and stands out. You wanna make a difference, you have to be different. Excellence. Here's the last one, it's love. It's love. That number gets thrown around a bunch. Here's how I define love, three other keywords. It's generosity, it's engagement, and it's acceptance. That's how we show love. Generosity, we earn the right to be heard. We engage with you, we, we spend time, we don't brush people aside and we accept people. Notice, I didn't say we affirm people, we accept people. And we allow the Holy Spirit to do that work. We are a church where everyone is welcome and anything is possible. Everyone is accepted at One Life Church. If we wanna make a difference, if we want people to stop and to listen, to see what's going on here, we have to be people of our word people of humility, people of excellence and love. Notice, I didn't say you gotta be a pastor, you gotta sell everything and move to Montana, go to a mission field. You know what I'm saying here? You wanna do this? Just become a Daniel, a Daniel. Right now, think of the difference that we all could make, a sea of Daniels who are living in Babylon. Make no mistake, we are living in Babylon. And here is how we influence the world around us. All over the room, bow your heads, close your eyes. Online, I invite you to turn off every distraction. God is speaking to us. Some of you, there are areas of your life where you thought it was so important to make a point and you've neglected to make a difference. You give no one respect, but you demand respect in return. 
Oh God, we're sorry. We're sorry for the pride that's in our hearts, for thinking that we're always right. For standing on the right side, God, we're, oh, we're sorry of that. Forgive us. Or we know the times in which we're living. And as simply as we know how, God, our prayer is that we want to make a difference for you in this culture. I want this church, God, to be a lighthouse in this community and around the world. So, so give us wisdom, give us conviction. And together, God, in this room, we hold nothing back. You're speaking to us. And together in this room, we declare that as for me and my house, it's for me and One Life Church, that we will serve the Lord, that we're not going anywhere. That in Babylon, let me say it this way, the light shines greatest in the darkness. And that is what we want. Oh God, come fill your people right now. Oh Holy Spirit, rest upon us. We sense your presence. We take a stand. We honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let our foundation be built on your majesty. Let every word you speak fill this home. Jesus, our cornerstone.
just, just one moment. Um, and again, I can encourage you. We're just two weeks into this series. We have three more weeks to go. Um, so you know people to invite, uh, to encourage to watch online. And I would just encourage you to do that um, this week as we move forward in this series. Um, but I have a really special announcement today. And it's because of the amazing generosity of the people of One Life Church that we're able to do this. Um, you know, like, we have ministry here, but we also sponsor and support monthly um, mission projects, missionaries around the world. Well, one of our very own that grew up here at One Life Church, today, we are going to send her off on um, her mission trip for the next 18 months to finish her schooling. Um, but God has definitely called her to worldwide missions. And because of your generosity today, we get to do that. Will you put your hands together? And will you welcome Evelyn Oliver to the stage? So cool. So this is her last Sunday here. Um, and she is going to North Africa for the next 18 months. In church, hey, will you just... Will you commit to pray for her over the next 18 months? Will you raise your hand and do that, everybody? You see this? These are the people of your church that we can't go to North Africa, but we're there with you. And because of their amazing generosity and their prayers, um, we get today to commission you to go. Um, and so church, would you raise your hands to Evelyn and let's together, let's pray for our sister as we send her off to North Africa. God, we are so excited for what you're doing in Evelyn's life. Oh, Holy Spirit, your, your hand is upon her. You have anointed her. You have called her for this moment in time. And now we pray, Holy Spirit, that you will go before her, that you will keep her safe in all that she does, or that you will bless her. Lord, I pray that this will be the most fruitful 18 months of her life as, as she goes to North Africa to follow the call of God. Lord, go before her, make the hard things easy. And I pray, God, that because of her ministry and her faithfulness, that lives will be changed with the gospel of Jesus. Lord, all of this is for your glory to the good of people. And so we say thank you. Thank you for allowing us to partner with her in this special moment in her life. Go before her. We celebrate all that you're doing in her life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, church, one more time. Did you congratulate and thank her? Hey, stay up here. Now it's our turn. Now we're gonna pray a blessing over you. Um, if you need prayer for any reason, our prayer team will be down front. We'd love to pray with you, for you. Growth track, if you wanna know, take a next step here at One Life Church, go on the growth track. Uh, today, after this service is over, 10.30 service, right there in the growth track room. We'd love to answer all the questions and help you take a next step. And church, um, we're gonna worship right now through our giving. Are you excited to do that? And our ties, our offerings. Boxes in the back, online. However you give, thank you for your amazing and your continued generosity. All right, let me pray a blessing over you. God, I thank you for the amazing people of One Life Church. I pray that they will crush it this week, that this will be the best week of their business, in their homes, in their school. God, go before them. We wanna be a Daniel today. Help us to influence Babylon. I pray that we'll have the most amazing Sunday afternoon we've ever had. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey church, I love you. Keep coming back. We'll see you next weekend. God bless you.